I'm Gregory Berg. The following morning show interview was recorded and initially broadcast back in 2014. So you should ignore any references in the interview to an upcoming benefit event. I wanted to nevertheless share this interview because it remains one of the most powerful conversations I can remember having on the morning show on the topic of autism and raising a child who is autistic. I hope you enjoy this conversation. We welcome you to the Wednesday morning show on WGTD-HD, Kenosha, Racine, Elkhorn, and Lake Geneva, NPR News and Classical Music on your gateway to public radio. I'm Gregory Berg. I'm really pleased to have in the studios this morning uh, a local attorney very well known in the community, Frank Paris. But we're not here to talk about uh, the law, or at least not extensively. I may ask a question or two about what uh, led Frank Paris into the line of work that he enjoys as a, a, a defense attorney. And but, I'll have to charge you if you do this. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, then I think I'll keep those questions to a minimum. <laughs> but mostly we are going to be talking today uh, about a very special event that's coming up this Saturday, namely the 7th Annual uh, Frank and Cheryl uh, uh, Paris uh, Autism Benefit, uh, which will be at TG's on Saturday from 1 to 5. And uh, we're going to be speaking with Frank uh, about this event and, of course, more extensively about uh, the real-life adventure which uh, she and uh, he and his wife Cheryl have had in raising a son with autism. Uh, his name is Joey. He's 21 years old. And, of course, uh, it's only by living that kind of life that you really understand in, in completeness what autism is and uh, the way in which it can alter the script which one has sort of formulated for your own life and the, the script you sort of envision for your own family. And um, so I'm really glad that we can have this uh, conversation and uh, remind people about this big event that is coming up on Saturday. Frank Paris, we welcome you to the morning show. Well, thank you, Greg, and thanks for asking me. Uh, and right off the bat, let's just talk about this seventh annual autism benefit. First of all, uh, give us a little historical sketch on what happened seven years ago to prompt you and your wife to put this together. Sure. Uh, you know, Greg, um, actually a few years before that, as my son Joey was going through the school system, you know, we recognized due to funding cuts, et cetera, that the special needs classes were lacking in some very important basic uh, commodities. Uh, for example, one of the first things that triggered to us was when we found out the special needs class didn't have a refrigerator working. Um, mm. And uh, special education students often have special diets, and those medicines need to be refrigerated, etc. And it, and it, I, I asked the the simple question of, okay, when is this getting replaced? And the answer was a vague, we're not sure. Mm. And that just appalled me, um, and I wasn't angry at anybody else other than maybe uh, all of us. <laughs> and so what I did that very day is, and, and you know, thankfully I had some of the wherewithal to do this, but I, I just immediately went to our local uh, store and uh, bought a fridge. And probably shouldn't have done this, but had it delivered to the school. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, nowadays... <laughs> You know, it'll set up alarm bells, et cetera. But the point of the matter is, is you know, after doing that and being thanked and what have you, you know, we found that there were more and more things that were just needed and, and um, supplied them out of my own pocket until my wife and I 
talked about putting together something so that it doesn't come out of the taxpayers' dollars, but rather stays locally and uh, everyone can sort of help and join in. The idea of actually doing a benefit germinated uh, with uh, a friend of ours. He was a detective at the time. His name was Mike Salas. And he uh, thought of doing a like a special bartender night at Spanky's. And it was on a Wednesday night. And we kind of threw it together, um, sort of disorganized because we didn't know what we were doing to begin with. Had a lot of help from the Kavalaskases, uh, Rick and his dad, Larry and Judy. And um, it was very successful. Uh, and we were shocked. And we came, came away with a bit of money and uh, thought, you know, we, should, we need to do this again. And what money we got from that evening, we uh, ended up uh, putting together and buying some items for Kenosha Bradford's special needs class. And so we felt, you know, good about ourselves, and uh, all of us did. And we just thought, well, you know, Next year, we should do something even bigger and grander, and that's uh, one of the reasons why it moved to TG's. Um, and also, um, my wife Cheryl and I are very good friends with the owners, uh, Teresa Revis and Sherry Revis, and uh, we discussed how to do it and how to organize it and, and talked to others who had done benefits and kind of started learning as we go along. Hmm. And here we are seven years later. Super. And the money that you raise, is it still being directed the way those first events were directed, or are you directing whatever money you raise in kind of a different way? Well, it it all stays local, which we're very proud of, Hmm. uh, first of all. And then secondly, what we've been doing in the last couple years, for example, we brought along another group called the uh, Open Wings School, um, that needed some help so that they could, I think it was so that they could gain their charter. They needed to raise a certain amount of funds uh, the first year, and now they're doing, as I understand it, very well. And and I think we helped keep the doors open. Hmm. And so we split uh, last year's proceeds with them, uh, found out, you know, what their cutoff level was and did our best to reach that, and we did. Uh, And this year we have, uh, as part of our sharing proceeds uh, with the Kenosha Dream a playground project, hmm. um, and even though they have a lot of funding elsewhere and they're doing outstanding, uh, we just thought that th- that would be a good focal point this year. Um, but, you know, essentially, uh, as far as also keeping it local, uh, my wife through the years has developed a lot of connections with the schools, uh, with educators, social workers, and so she finds out where the needs are. Hmm. And talks to them and says, okay, we'll try to get you this. Uh, I think, in fact, this year uh, one of the main goals is to supply, and she would know more about this than I do, but um, supply uh, iPad tablets. Mm. Um, so I think we're going to try to buy maybe 20 of them if we have a good good day, which I'm assuming we will. And So that's how that works. Terrific. Yeah. So for someone who's not yet attended one of these uh, benefits, what happens Saturday between 1 and 5? Well, between one and five is where all the fun stuff is. <laughs> all the work has been the last, uh, mm-hmm. you know, several weeks leading up to it. Uh, I, you know, my wife has a core group of friends that are very helpful, and we have a lot of people that uh, come out of the woodwork and help us, which is fantastic. But we'll get there about 9 a.m. Uh, we have a, a very large tent that will be set up in the TG's parking lot, mm. uh, and um, we'll just start organizing 
And so by the time you show up uh, at TG's, let's say 1 o'clock, you'll pay your $5 to get in. And then the actual bar itself will be kept open, sort of like the thoroughfare to get through the facility. Um, And then you'll walk through the back, and there's the tent opening, and you'll see probably in the neighborhood of about 100 baskets that you can bid on. That'll be all lined up probably along the uh, west end of the tent. And also you'll see some raffle items that you'll be able to buy a raffle ticket for. And then uh, we're going to have a uh, small uh, portable tiki bar uh, Mm. provided by the Barnhills, um, uh, Janice and and Tom Barnhill. They have a, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they have, uh, not only does Janice and Julie uh, own a, the coffee pot here locally, oh, yeah. and by the way, they're they're uh, very committed to to a lot of causes in town. But um, uh, they have a, uh, and I can't remember the name of the business, and I, I apologize, Tom. But they um, uh, they rent out like uh, palm trees and things like that. I don't oh. know if you've seen them very. Okay. Uh, a lot of them locally. Well, anyway, he he now has a tiki bar that he's going to let us utilize oh wow so we'll have a tiki bar there and then on the uh east end of the tent will be the band stage and you have a couple of well-known groups that are playing i know well i know the well-known group is the bugs (laughs) and (laughs) the real stars yeah the real stars with the uh, yellow boys and uh joe joey bilotti and we've we've played with them before but they're teenage uh Kids who are very musically talented, and they do a lot of uh, Beatles music, which you know is sort of refreshing to see young people play the music that we you know we grew up on and that I love, and I'm sure you do t- too as well, Greg. But so they'll be playing uh, from one to two, and then uh, my band called the New Vinyls will be playing from two, eh, roughly four ish. Until you get booed off the stage, probably. well, so, well, then that's two to two fifteen. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> you just play with earplugs; you don't hear any of that, then, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, and and fortunately, for those that want to, there will be uh, beer served, which always makes us sound better. So. <laughs> Very good. So all the mayhem is uh, Saturday afternoon between one and five. And I'm trying to remember: do people? Uh, Plunk down money for a ticket to be admitted, or there's there's a five dollar uh, fee to get in, and then they will get a wristband, mm-hmm. um, and then that kind of opens them up for you know whatever they want to do. There there is food provided, uh, and again, like I say, there's raffle items, silent auction items. Uh, kids are welcome, um, and so you know it's not we don't really have any games for them, but there's certainly part of the festivities, and, and we encourage uh, parents of special needs uh, children, bring your children. Hmm. You know, we will accommodate them. That's great. So. And um, I imagine it's a, a kind of a, a wild, fun event like this. It's not necessarily all that easy to count the heads, but do you have a sense of how many people have attended this in the past? Well, yes. Uh, last year, my my wife Cheryl says that we had over 500 go through the door. Um, on last year's event, so that's pretty remarkable. Wow! And and we really do expect more this year hmm. um, through this process, the radio interview process, advertising, which we we've never really done before. Uh, this is just my second radio interview, and that's happened this year. Hmm. Uh, we actually have a uh, there's an ad in today's Kenosha News, a full page ad that other businesses 
put money into and and are supporting the cause. Wow, and, that's great. And then, um, yeah, so mm. that's pretty amazing. And of course, this event exists at a time when all of us, to such a degree, are kind of waking up to this it's reality awareness. of this thing yes. called autism, which has been with us a long time, but but uh, for a long time it was a condition that kind of existed in the shadows and uh, was hard for families dealing with this to, to maybe talk about it openly, and certainly there weren't anything like the resources available now to uh, to, to, to deal with this, not that there's a cure, but... But, I mean, I, I can imagine how somebody seeing an ad for a, a benefit for autism 30 years ago, 40 years ago, might not have even known what that was talking about. And I think now there's no question, but everybody at right. least has some notion of what autism is. And, so, and you hit the nail on the head. It's awareness. I mean, do, <laughs> do I have some hope that there will be a cure someday? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the numbers are astounding. When my Joey was first diagnosed uh, now about 16 years ago, the dreaded A word, autism, uh, I had really not much of a concept about it. I remember seeing a TV movie uh, about some kid wearing a football helmet and and banging his head against the wall and and just trying to understand why me and why us and and all that. And then uh, the Center for Disease Control, I think, had a number uh, of one in every 500 children uh, were diagnosed with autism. And they just released their figures, I believe, uh, a few weeks ago, and now we're talking one in 68. Uh, so that's in 15 years. And, and, and the numbers are even higher in boys. I think the numbers are one in 44. So certainly more people are aware of it. It's more far-reaching. Uh, I think everyone you've talked to either knows of a special needs kid with some form of autism uh, or they have a, a brother or a relative or a cousin or a nephew. And so it's it's touching all of us, mm-hmm. you know. For those of you just speaking, uh, just joining us, I'm speaking today on the morning show with uh, local attorney uh, Frank Paris. Uh, we are talking today about autism and uh, we've been talking about the seventh annual Frank and Cheryl Paris Benefit uh, for Autism, uh, which is coming up this Saturday from 1 until 5. Um, it's probably time for us to talk a little bit about uh, about Joey. And I appreciate you saying, even as you first came into the studio, that you were open to talking about any of this. And uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, it sounds from the little that I know of Joey's story that... Uh, as is so often the case, uh, your son Joey appeared to be like any other little boy in the early going. Um, Only better looking. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, then, this, then the story changes. Um, at what point did you begin to notice something about Joey that made you think that maybe something uh, might possibly be wrong? Well, there are certain landmarks with children, uh, or milestones they call them, and, and with Joey, uh, my wife would probably say earlier, but I started noticing about two, that he wasn't, you know, reaching the milestones as quickly as his older brother, Frankie, uh, who's there 14 months apart. And, you know, this basic stuff like crawling, wasn't crawling as soon, wasn't rolling over as soon, and then walking, but he was doing it eventually. Uh, and in fact, uh, at 
again, I'm sure Cheryl will correct me, uh, but not right now. <laughs> um, you know, uh, he he actually was talking um, and putting together short phrases. Uh, and so we thought, okay, wonderful, great, he's doing well. And then he just shut down. We don't know why. Uh, now we know, mm. sort of. But the, the point of the matter is he just shut down. We thought maybe it was a, an ear issue. And by shut down, you mean he, he stopped talking? He stopped talking. Yes, absolutely. And, 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 and completely? It was immediate. Yeah. It was It wow. was almost overnight, it seemed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I can't imagine uh, anything more frightening for a parent, <laughs> that, that on Monday your son, your little boy, is talking, and on Tuesday it, ref- essentially refusing to say a word. Greg, it seemed like that. I mean, maybe it wasn't that sudden, but it certainly seemed like that. And then the panic, you know, comes in and... Like I said, we, we, we started with auditory issues. Maybe it was its ears. We had tubes put in and, and you know, all the common things that you do. And, um, you know, after months of doing that, well, then maybe it's this. And, um, and then you start getting the real, very real sense that, that things are uh, worse than they seem. It's, wow. it's not just a, a physical issue. Right. I'm curious, as he stopped talking, um, did he still seem like the same little boy? Did he, for instance, still have the same personality, and did he seem interested in the world in the same way, or, or did those things change also? Maybe, maybe it's hard to remember. It, or, it, no, it, it, those things did change. We notice him fixating on objects uh, more, such as fans, ceiling fans in particular, um, not looking you in the eye, which is something he would do as a young baby in a crib. Um, and, and so, yeah, there, there were more manifestations of it as, as he got a little bit older. But it, I think the diagnosis, though, for autism, the A word, as I say, I don't think that was used for him until he was like four and a half or five. Wow. So that was yeah. a little bit of a journey oh, then. Yeah. We, you know, we went up to Milwaukee uh, Psych Complex and had brain scans done and you know, just everything you could think of. Because there again, at this time, we didn't know anybody else that had an autistic child. So we felt like we were floundering hmm. uh, in the dark. Sure. And, and, and a lot of that, Greg, has to do with the fact that there were other autistic children out there, but parents weren't talking about it, hmm. you know. And, and one of the things that we're proud of is is the the awareness factor. You know, our day is called Frank and Cheryl's seventh annual autism awareness benefit. Okay, and that's exactly what we're talking about. Hmm. Um, so that parents know that they're not alone anymore. We felt very alone. You know, thank God for Cheryl's sisters and my family. I mean, because we do have a close family, but you know, we we did we felt very alone in the dark. Well, you at 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 best you f- you felt alone in terms of facing this. I mean, you didn't know anybody else who was facing this this mysterious thing that you and your wife were facing. Yes, sir. Wow, yeah, that just enhances how frightening it had to be. I mean, whatever you go through, it's it's probably five times worse or ten times worse if you think nobody else is experiencing exactly that. Um, you had an older, you do have an older son, uh, Frankie, Frankie yes. Jr. So uh, I should think one of the challenges, and we'll 
kind of talk about this as we go through the story, but that's got to be sort of tricky too, and yet also a blessing that you had another child in in the house, but uh, you know probably felt all of your energies and focus <laughs> going towards uh, the younger one. Yes, yes, you know, and 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 to his credit, and by his I mean my son Frankie. Um, to his credit, he never harbored any jealousy towards his brother because yes, we had to devote a great deal of energy, uh, sometimes 24-7, and that still exists today, uh, by the way. But um, Frankie never harbored any jealousy. Um, He's always been um, looking at life through the eyes of his brother. And by Mm. that I mean he's not a selfish young man. Um, He's he's always looked at it like that could be me. Mm. You don't take a thing for granted when you... Think about and and so what way. would my brother do for me? And I think that's been his attitude all along. And, um, you know, of course, we encouraged it <laughs> yeah, well, and, and hopefully and, nurtured and, it. And But, the, he, he, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of him as a young man. And I'm proud of Joey, too. Uh, Joey, you know, is aware he's different, um, is aware that uh, we struggle with him as much as he struggles with life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's it's part of his makeup because uh, he's such a a loving boy young man now if he's if he's not troubled by something that's bothering him um, and incidentally m- many autistic children are, are very sensitive to stimuli mm. um, so that uh, little changes in, in weather patterns uh, significantly affect Joey he can't help it to be frustrated, to be angry, to be upset, uh, to want to be alone, uh, or to even lash out sometimes, which is um, part of what, what is part of the autism spectrum. Mm. And so as an outsider, when you see that, when you see a young child lashing out at his parents uh, and you're wondering, geez, they didn't raise him right, or right. you know, maybe take another look and wonder, is there a causation of it? Uh, is, is he a a, quote, bad kid, or is it a kid you don't understand? Mm. Um, and, it, and it might very well be an autistic issue. Mm. So. You say the, the diagnosis of autism came when Joey was about four and a half, so that means it was more than two years that you and your wife were on kind of an odyssey of trying to figure out what in the world was wrong. Yes, sir. Wow. Uh, in either of your families, is there any history of autism? Um, that you're aware of? Uh, not from oh, not from many years past, uh, but uh, we do have, I do have another nephew that uh, has uh, a form of autism. He's higher functioning than Joey. He can, he can talk and he can walk and he actually has a job uh, working at the Achievement Center. Hmm. And so uh, some people would claim he's Osberger's, you know, syndrome, mm-hmm. which is a higher functioning and um but yes we we do have we do have that which is very common right so what do you remember about the day when that a word was <laughs> first i mean i'm sure before the diagnosis was rendered well, at we some suspected. point yeah that had to yeah. enter the picture somehow but um what do you remember about the moment when that diagnosis was was first given and was there any measure of relief in that uh, at least it was an answer to the question of what's wrong with Joey? 
Um, no measure of relief, Greg. Just sort of an affirmation of what we suspected. Um, still extremely emotional. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to imagine, uh, especially when life's script is so drastically rewritten. So, what was that year? What was the year? Uh, this would have to be... 16 not, years ago, I think. Yeah, it would be 16 years ago. So whatever whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and jo- Joey is four and a half, so at, at that point, um, how did you and Cheryl figure out sort of what to do next in terms of... Uh, obviously writing a different script for Joey right. in terms of what, what was going to happen with him, and especially in terms of school, which would have been, uh, for any other uh, young boy about that age, that would have been looming in the near future. Sure. Well, I mean, you start educating yourself. You start asking. Um, you start looking into programming. Uh, you start looking for causation. Um, all, all the myriad of things uh, that you do with any child that has some sort of you know, disability or injury or what have you. And, and so that's what we did. We started doing a lot of attempts at language programs, communication devices. Uh, this is, you know, way before the Internet was as popular as it is now. There was no iPads to help or uh, that sort of thing. So there were pictorial books that we would use, um, you know, talk to educators. My my um, wife's sisters are, are in the educational system so mm. that, that, you know, we would ask them. In fact, uh, her sister Karen is a special needs teacher and, and her other sister's a nurse. And so we, we just started asking and trying just about everything, Craig, mm. you know. And, and you know, and, and unfortunately for our Joey, um, the progress was limited uh, and, and slow going and sometimes it was one of those two steps forward, you know, one and a half step back procedures. And, and you know, unfortunately, too, it just wasn't in his makeup um, to, to get better faster, which we saw with other children, including our nephew. Mm. You know, we, we saw our nephew make those strides and gains doing the very same things we were doing with Joey mm. and just thinking to ourselves, what are we doing wrong? You know, and of course we weren't doing anything wrong. We were doing everything right, but um, just very frustrating. Yeah. I I wonder uh, what your advice would be for young parents maybe in the same situation you were then and in particular when it comes to that matter of beating yourself up <laughs> um, because – Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't – you know, and I, and I say that I, I still to this day – beat myself up over little stuff that, you know, I should have handled better, as we do with all our children, though. Hmm. You know, um, it's just it's a little more intense, uh, a little more time-consuming, because, again, there are days where it's 24-7 with Joey. Um, But we still do it. And I guess the point of the matter is don't feel guilty uh, about trying to help your child. If it offends somebody else, don't feel guilty. They don't understand help them understand. Right. Just do it. Very well put. So at what point did uh, Joey first go to school? Did he go to school at the age of five? Or, or Yes, he... but, uh, you know, they, we always tried to include him, but it's very difficult, uh, especially at that time with acting out behaviors. We always felt 
Um, it wasn't fair to the other children uh, to include him in stuff that Joey just wasn't going to do. You know, you can't mm-hmm. force a, a young boy, uh, especially as strong as and as big as he is, to to do things uh, that he's not equipped to do, or that bring him some sort of trauma or, or discomfort. And then what that does is it disrupts every other kid who's there trying to learn. Mm. You know, um, so you know we we tried to get him into classes that could be more inclusive that he could participate in, like art classes and you know gym class sometimes. But he always had to have uh, a one-on-one. Um, we always uh, tried to make sure that there was some sort of aid there, not only for him to help him but also so that he wouldn't uh, lash out at another child hmm. uh, because, uh, and this is also common with autistic children, um, he, he would do that. He would scratch, a, you know, scratch or lash out at a, another child, uh, maybe bite that child, you know, and, and, and he never did, but he certainly bit us many times. Hmm. Um, you know, and those were behaviors that we had to work on very, very, very diligently, and it took years to get him to stop, for example, biting others. Uh, it took years to get him to stop lashing out at others. Um, now when he gets very, very frustrated, he uh, I have some friends that know what I'm going to be doing in a few minutes, but he bites his the palm of his hand and hits his belly very hard. This is Joey. This is Joey. Okay. But So what, what through, again, hands-on work by not only uh, – therapists, in-home therapists, my wife, her sisters, uh, but just working on him so that he's not lashing out at others and doesn't harm others, that's how he shows his frustrations when it's really bad. Mm. You know, In a sense, he lashes out at himself. At himself, yes. So he's, wow. got, he's got the most callous palm in the world, mm. I think. So. But wow. again, in answer to your question, it, it's, it, it, it was um, a lot of what we spent our time doing wasn't, you know, teaching him math or teaching him how to read, even though we read to him in the, in the hopes that, you know, and we felt he was understanding. But it was a lot of behavioral uh, teaching, mm. you know, a lot of change of behaviors. Right, how to exist in the world yes, and coexist please. peacefully. Right, and, and that's uh, often a very difficult thing for autistic children. Um, some of them shut down completely and, you know, sit in the corner and don't want to be bothered, and they're perfectly content there. And when you intrude upon that world is when you're going to, you know, suffer the consequences right. kind of thing. So, and, and again, every child's different. Right, right. So. When you would talk to Joey, especially I'm thinking in those ages where he was seven, eight, and nine, and this was a serious issue, were you always certain that when you talked to him, that he understood what yes. you were saying. Yes, okay. we, we, my wife and I, um, and by the way, I'm blessed to have a wife like Cheryl. But mm. with that said, uh, we we always not only talk to him that like he understood, <clears throat> as if you know we don't talk like he's out of the room when he's sitting right next to us. Right. Uh, we talk to him like he understands, and always have talked to him like that, and always insisted that others do it. You know, he's right here. Talk to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I asked the question only because since he's to such a large extent nonverbal. I mean, typically the way you know that somebody 
understands what you're saying is when they say, oh, really? And they ask right. a follow-up question right. or whatever. Right. And I mean, somehow acknowledge what you're saying. and uh, Like you and I are doing right, right. now. Sure. And uh, so, of course, in the case of Joey, uh, who scarcely can even look at you, uh, let alone speak back to you, uh, I, I just imagine it's it's tricky to know exactly what he's understanding, but your sense is that he does understand. Oh, absolutely. He absolutely understands, and he also um, has ways that we understand of getting his point across. You know, um, if he wants something, uh, he will get his point across. Now, he, for example, likes to watch Channel 444, which is uh, the on-demand channels (laughs) that'll have, you know, even at age 21, we're watching Sesame Street and... uh, Anyway, (laughs) I still have the Barney theme, you know, indelibly imprinted in my brain. Oh, lucky. Yeah, lucky me. But but the point is, is even now at age, you know, soon to be 21, if he wants 444 on, he will come to the room with the remote and say, four, four, you know. Mm. So he he will tell us that. Uh, If you, he loves to go on uh, car rides every day uh, or a van ride in his van. And that's one of the functions that uh, my son, Frankie, and his uh, wonderful girlfriend, Miranda, uh, do they take him for rides every day, usually an hour, hour and a half. But you want to mm. go for a ride, Joey? Yeah, yeah. You know, mm. So we get a yeah at him, and he's ready to go. And you better be ready to go when he's ready. <laughs> Otherwise, there's a, the, the, the impatient level just kicks in. You know. and, and to their credit, they also take him to the park. He loves to go swinging. Uh, we have a swing in the backyard where he would be out there almost 24-7 if we let him. Uh, which means we also have internal locks on our doors so that he's not out there at 3 in the morning. Um, you know What we're going to do in case of a fire, I don't know, other than mm. I'll jump through a window, but that's about where we're at. But, but my point is, is he, he can get his point across uh, when he wants something, when he wants to eat, even though he, he is very limited in what he will eat. Uh, he will give it to you or open it himself. You know, we mm. caught him the other day opening a, a bag of chips with uh, uh, a butter knife. <laughs> you mm. know, so, uh, Joey, you could take it to us. We'll open it. But, you know, he, he has a sense of independence, mm. you know, uh, which is also common in autistic children. But he, So in answer to your question, we, we know, and those that know him know what he wants and when he wants it usually. Mm-hmm. Um, when does he sleep? And how does he sleep? <laughs> no, the question is, when do I sleep? Oh, okay. that's, that's the real issue. <laughs> right. You know, he, he um, at, through the years, that was a, uh, a, a an all too common uh, thing. It was like having a, a, a colicky baby for 15 years. Oh. Yeah, it was just horrendous. Wow. You know, just, you know, and, and fortunately, I don't really need a lot of sleep or, or don't get it. I don't know. Maybe I need it, but I don't get it anyway. Mm. But, um, you know, my wife and I would take shifts, and she would take the great bulk of the, you know, 12 to 6 shift, I'll say, because I had to get up and go to work and actually use my brain sometimes. But mm. um, the point of the matter is, is as he got older, that started uh, getting more consistent um, so that we didn't have so many issues every night. You know, he'd be up. Sometimes he was up all night and, you know, just for weeks on end. And then he'd sleep during the day, or he'd finally go to sleep about six o'clock in the morning. You know, mm. and spent you know weeks just trying to change his patterns. But now he's he's pretty much routine. He'll he'll go to sleep about eleven. 
um, usually sleeps through. Uh, and if he does get up, he'll get up about 4.30, which sometimes I'm up anyway, uh, or 5, and then he'll want to go downstairs and, and get something to eat and you know go into the cupboards. Sometimes we lock the cupboards because he does that too much. Um, and then he'll uh, give himself a shower, you know, even though he, he doesn't know how to bathe himself. He, mm. He'll shower himself because the, the shower, the cascading water, is very comforting for him. Huh. And he goes through these phases where he'll shower um, six, seven, eight times a day. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, Kenosha Water Utility and I are best friends. <laughs> you know? I guess. But, uh, and again, we don't, dis- we don't dissuade him from that because uh, it's comforting, the water cascading down on him. He sits in the shower, hmm. and it, you know, it brings him a lot of comfort and peace. So he's probably the cleanest autistic children, child in Kenosha. Huh. So. Well, and I suppose this has been one interesting journey of discovery for you and your wife is figuring out what brings him comfort, and yes. especially when he's not in a position to easily or quickly or clearly okay. tell you what brings him comfort. You probably had to learn by trial and error. And Greg, it's changed through the years. You know, he 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 just started back up with the shower thing, as we call it. Um, whereas, you know, in the past couple of years, it hasn't been as frequent, and it wasn't something he was interested in doing. Why that comes up now, I don't know. You know, it's part of the, you know, the complexities of the the autism spectrum, but. Uh, he was doing this three, four years ago, like he's doing it now again. Um, hmm. So, I, I mentioned. I, I'm sure it's a weather issue. You know, we're all kind of cooped up, and <laughs> that's about as you know. He can't go out on his swing because we have a swing in the backyard hmm. that we have modified so that he doesn't destroy it. But because uh, he'll go on it, you know, like I said, 24 seven. But you know, maybe it's because he can't go out in. Like the rest of us. Right. We all have a little cabin fever right yes, now, Yes, exactly. We? So I mentioned before we went on the air that I uh, recently interviewed a, a retired executive from Walgreens who's written a really interesting book about the experience of raising his autistic son, Austin. The book is No Greatness Without Goodness. And one of the most poignant parts in the book is when he talks about something that I think most of the rest of us on the outside looking in understand to be true, but he just described it so well. The when certain activities that once upon a time were a carefree romp for the family, like <laughs> going to the movies. Uh, What's that? Right. Uh, well, I mean, at least in their case, they they for a long time really attempted to do these things, and uh, but you just never knew what unfortunate thing might might occur, and and I suspect that, especially when we're talking about somebody like Joey and where he is on the spectrum, that that uh, your family life had to have been drastically altered in terms of what you could do as a family or what would end up being, you know, a fun thing to do. Yes. Can you just talk about that? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you know, sitting down at the dinner table uh, doesn't exist. <laughs> hmm. um, you know, it just doesn't. And so we've accommodated that. Uh, going to a restaurant doesn't exist. We've tried uh, we even would go to TG's on the off hours, and Teresa and Sherry, God bless them, would you know make sure uh, that his food was ready because he's very impatient when he shows up. His mm. fries were there, um, and, and we we still do it occasionally if we think he's you know. But it's got to be off hours. It mm. can't be during the height of the the noon lunch crowd. Mm. It just cannot. Um, but yeah, we 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 don't 
go to restaurants. We don't go to movie theaters. We used to go to the outdoors, and 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 I think you know that that'll still work um, with his other nieces and nephews, and, and so we could do that because the kids could run around, and it didn't matter if he was loud because he's mm. he can be you know kind of loud, and um, but yeah, those common thing water parks. Even though he loves the water, um, they're just too many kids, too loud. We've tried it. We've tried to get the room closest to the water, thinking that would be, you know, and, and it just doesn't happen. Right. So, you know, after years of attempting and trying and <laughs> wanting to do all these wonderful things, shopping, you know, forget it. Mm. Uh, but, you know, he's getting better at some of those social activities, like uh, Frankie and Miranda will take him to the store, as long as it's the store he wants to go to. Ah. You know, a toy store. Uh, or the store where all the noodles or the snacks are, you know, he'll go down that aisle. Mm. He'll open stuff, you know, which oh, you got to keep <laughs> keep on. And, and you know, and and for the most part, stores are very accommodating. You know, again, that's part of the awareness, right? You know, whereas ten years ago, you know, they're looking at him like he's a thief or something, or uh, you know, or a delinquent. But uh, so yeah, we, we try, mm. and we still try. You know, we're ne- we're never going to give up on trying with him and, and helping to make his life better. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, and I I, I want to ask you one more question about your other son, Frankie. I mean, it's really heartwarming to just hear you talk about how wonderfully you can he's sense turned it, out. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's just, I mean that's great because I mean so easily this story could could not be that. I mean. Yes. Because uh, that can be so hard when you have you know one child occupying so much of your time and energy, and it's so easy for that other child, so-called normal child, to feel you know completely neglected and be kind of on their own. And mm-hmm. uh, but you also hear about these cases where, in fact, uh, that other child steps up to the plate lovingly and compassionately yes. and patiently. I mean, so you you have to be so thankful for that. What uh, has there been any normalcy, so to speak, for for your for your other son? I mean, or, or in a sense, <laughs> this is normal. Well, this is his yeah, normal. This I guess. is his normal. He he doesn't. I don't think know of a. In, nor would he want a different life. Um, he, like I said, has always looked through life through the eyes of his brother, and thought that could be me. And how can I help you? sort of thing. And and he's like that with everybody though. I mean, he's he's a very nurturing uh caring young person. So we've been blessed in that regard. I know we want to wrap up, I think, and I yep. and I do want to talk about something that I'm very proud of to learn and this was yesterday morning uh through uh a resolution sponsored by Alderman Steve Bostrom hmm. and approved by the city council. Uh the mayor is going to be doing a proclamation declaring April 26th, this Saturday, Kenosha Autism Awareness Day. Oh. And so we're, we're very, very proud of that. Um, and, and we're, again, blessed by having good friends who push that along on the council um, and having a, a responsive mayor who understands that. And I, and I know I've talked to him about my son in the past. And so uh, we're, we're, we're extremely proud of that. Wow. As, as well you and, should and be. And Kenosha should be. Yeah. Well, and... Uh, just having this conversation, I, I, I suspect for a lot of people, uh, they better understand not only what you yourselves have, have experienced with your son, Joey, but 
also what maybe their neighbors are experiencing or other friends or maybe they themselves. Uh, the more we talk about this, the better. Uh, so remind our listeners about the wonderful event that's coming up on Saturday. I sure will. This Saturday, which is April 26th, it's 26th, right? <laughs> yep. Okay. Is at TG's, which is at 4127th Avenue. Uh, we will have our seventh annual Autism Awareness Benefit. And please come down between 1 and 5. There will be silent auction items. There will be the bugs performing. There will be the new vinyls performing. There will be raffle items and food and uh, beers and soda and water and whatever else you, you want to partake in and uh, have fun in the tent. Uh, don't worry about the weather. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot like today, so it'll be sunny but a little bit cool. And uh, the tent is large enough that it will protect us from any of that. We have some sides that if we need to drop them, we will. Heaters, we will have them provided. Um, and we also have a star of the show, we hope, Seth Nyman, who's uh, a, a very special uh, friend of ours, age 17, who comes and watches us. And, hmm. um, and you, if you've seen us, you'll know about Seth. He's hmm. a wonderful young man, and his parents are wonderful and uh, he joins the band when we play. Ah. So we're excited about that. Sounds like a lot of things for yeah. us to be excited about this coming Saturday with the 7th Annual Frank and Cheryl Parisi. A prize, uh, <laughs> uh, I do that at least once, Autism Awareness uh, Benefit at TG's. Frank Parisi, I, Parise, I <laughs> Frank Parise, I, I really appreciate you joining us today on the morning show. I didn't ask you any questions about your law practice or the law system, so you don't get to charge me for this, <laughs> but uh, I'm really glad we could have this really important conversation. It was uh, really great of you to share so openly about uh, the experience you and Cheryl and Frankie have had with your son Joey, and uh, I appreciate that so much. And uh, wish you well with this weekend's uh, benefit and all the years that stretch ahead. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Greg. Frank Paris on today's morning show here on WGTD as we approach 9 o'clock.